Do you ever struggle with remembering details from your travels? Then I've got something special for you. How would you like a better way to keep track of all the things you see and experience in Scotland? A way to keep those special memories and all the details fresh for years to come. My new Scotland travel journal might just be what you need. It includes daily journaling prompts to help you start writing about your day, lots of space for doodling and notes, prompts to reflect on your trip overall, and suggestions for things to do that help you make more meaningful connections with Scotland. There's also inspiration for your travel bucket list, a map to draw your route, space to keep track of your travel details, and some Gaelic and Scottish phrases to try while you're here. All you have to do is print out the journal, fold the pages in half and start writing. The Scotland Travel Journal is the perfect companion for your upcoming trip to Scotland. Find it in the Watch Me See online shop or visit the link in the show notes. And now, let's get on with the show. This episode is sponsored by Hostelling Scotland, a not-for-profit charity with over 60 youth and affiliate hostels all over Scotland. Find your next hostel stay at hostelingscotland.org.uk. And welcome to Wild for Scotland, a podcast full of inspiring stories from Scotland. I'm your host, Cathy Kamleitner. Wild for Scotland helps you connect with Scotland and dream about future adventures. I'll tell you immersive stories to whisk you away, share some of my top tips for your own Scotland trip, and introduce you to inspiring locals and their stories. So lean back and enjoy. Let's travel to Scotland. In today's episode, I'm taking you along on one of my favourite adventures. And no, I'm not talking about visiting a specific place or doing a certain activity. It's really more about how I'll travel, or rather with whom. Even though it's nice from time to time to have a travel buddy like your partner or a friend... I've always enjoyed travelling by myself. So today's story is all about that magical feeling of being on the road on your own and what it does to your mindset. Ever since I started solo travelling, hostels have always been a big part of my trips. So I'm excited that our partner for this episode is Hostelling Scotland. You may still know them by their old name, the Scottish Youth Hostel Association. They have been around for a long time, since 1931. I've stayed in many of their hostels on work trips and private journeys over the years. In today's story, I'm venturing from the big city of Edinburgh to a quaint adventure hostel in the Cairngorms National Park and back to the city up north in Inverness. But this solo journey is not just the sum of the places on my itinerary. It goes much deeper than that. Solo travel is not always straightforward. In fact, figuring out the logistics, like hostel accommodation, is one of the easiest parts, especially with so many Hostelling Scotland hostels to choose from. The real challenge of solo travel is often a little less tangible, and that's what this story is about. This is That Magical Feeling.
When I tell people that I travel a lot by myself, even hike and wild camp on my own, they often have a lot of questions. Most of them ask about safety, what precautions I'm taking, which countries are okay to visit, and if I'm not scared to be out there on my own. Most of the questions are easily answered. Nothing that a bit of research and common sense can't fix. Some ask what my parents think about it, or my partner. It's actually quite fun to watch their faces change from curiosity to embarrassment as they realise that what they're really asking is if I have their permission. They usually change the question or the topic before I can point that out. But there is a question that really gets to me, makes me think, and to be honest, a little sad. It's a question about how solo travel makes me feel. Aren't you worried you'll get lonely? To travel on your own requires us to use a skill that many of us are uncomfortable with. Being alone isn't something we do a lot. Disconnect not just from other people, but also from our phones. Our world is full of distractions. People, screens, even this podcast. We swipe up and down in a never-ending stream of videos and ask our streaming platforms to select the show to watch for us. We give up the steering wheel and become the passengers in a circus of entertainment. When have you last sat in the grass, doing absolutely nothing? Or stood in an elevator, watching the blinking lights of the floor plan instead of the dazzling screen of your phone? It's true that we are social creatures, and as such can't cope well with complete isolation. But to be constantly connected, that's just as unnatural. Solo travelling offers an opportunity to break that habit and discover what it means to be alone with yourself, even if it feels uncomfortable at first. And that's what I love about it. I'm sitting on my bed at the Edinburgh Central Youth Hostel. Through the open window, I can faintly hear the noise coming from the road. I arrived earlier today with enough time to spend an afternoon in the city. But somehow, I'm not feeling it. I just can't get myself to step outside and start exploring. Where would I even begin? I've spent a lot of time in Edinburgh and know the city well. You'd think I could just pick my favourite spots to revisit and off I go. But that's the thing about solo travelling. When you don't have to consider anybody else's preferences... You're the one who has to make all the decisions. It can be overwhelming. For a moment, I consider lying down for a nap. Maybe I'd wake up in a more decisive state. But I know that that wouldn't be the case. So instead, I put on my shoes and make my way down to reception. The sliding door opens and I step outside. Taking it step by step is a great technique to overcome overwhelm on a solo trip. Instead of making a plan for the whole day, which requires a lot of decisions all at once, you simply pick one place to visit, and once you're done there, you pick the next one. Soon I meander through the sleepy streets of Edinburgh's new town. I turn left, then right, wandering down seemingly random streets. On this one, Every townhouse door is painted a different colour and flower pots line the staircases up and down their entranceways. The cherry trees are just past their peak of blossoming and their pink and white petals line the edges of the road. 
My first stop is a donut shop that had been on my list for a while. I sit in the big window, biting into a satisfying ball of sugar, dough and cream, while watching people and cars flow by on the street. With renewed energy, I make my way towards Stockbridge. Maybe I just needed a boost of sugar. I pass beneath the towering spire of St. Stephen's Church and catch a fleeting glimpse of the famous view on Circus Lane. I browse a bookshop filled with books by inspiring women and lose myself in nostalgia for this area where I stayed on my first trip to Edinburgh. By the time I reach Princess Street, I feel back in my element. With every step I take, every change of direction, the next decision feels easier to make. I wasn't sure what I wanted or what I needed at the start of this day, but I didn't let that stop me from finding out. I let the city guide me to old favourites and new surprises. I found comfort in places I visited in the past and delicious tacos in a street food venue I had never heard about before. Before I knew it, I was sat in a pub at the top of the Royal Mile, completely at ease with my own company. My first day on the road was a roller coaster of emotions, but right now, I'm excited for what else this trip will bring. Early the next day, after breakfast at my hostel, I find myself at the train station. With a backpack on my back and small crossbody bag in front of my body, a reusable takeaway coffee cup in one hand and my ticket in the other. I find my seat just as the train pushes away from the platform, and within minutes, the city gives way to the rolling countryside of central Scotland. I'm ready to take the next step in my adventure. Solo travel evokes a lot of emotions in me. First, usually comes doubt, blending rational and irrational worries about what this time alone might bring. Doubts in myself, my ability to make decisions, and maybe more importantly, whether I'd be able to make the right decisions. A level up, I experience fear, maybe even sheer panic. That's when the irrational doubts break through and take the steering wheel. For me, the best way to get out of that state is to simply accept it and invite rational thinking back into the ring. The more often that I do this, the easier it becomes to spot irrational fears and counter them with solution-based thinking. Once I've overcome my doubts and fears, I move on to another emotion. I'm feeling strong. In the case of a solo hike, it might be physical strength. But on this trip, for me, it was a strength of mind. I no longer doubted my ability to make decisions or feared making the wrong choices. I started to believe in myself. Fueled by this feeling of strength, I get off the train in Abbeymore pick up a few supplies and hop on the bus to my next destination. The Cairngorm Lodge Youth Hostel sits in the heart of the Cairngorms National Park and right near the edge of Loch Morlich. The bus stops right outside the hostel and with a few minutes I've changed into my hiking gear, ready to head into the mountains. At first, the white track leads steeply uphill. But soon enough, it evens out, making it a bit easier to take in my surroundings. 
Between patches of forestry plantation, I can see the mountains of the western Cairngorms, the steep slopes covered in scree and small patches of snow high up remaining near the peaks. Back at the hostel, I'd meet a South African traveller who'd show me pictures of himself climbing these very mountains in the snow. Even in summer, the Cairngorms are not for the faint-hearted. The route I chose is a lot easier, though. I reach the end of the forestry track and continue making my way downhill along a narrow footpath that is lined with tall pine trees. I step across their gnarly roots and lean on my thighs to clamber over large rocks. I didn't say it was easy, just easier and safer than the Munros on the other side of the glen, especially as a solo traveller. Eventually the path emerges onto a larger track again, but all I can focus on is the radiant hue of a sparkling loch among the trees. Look at that colour. The water looks surreal, a vibrant shade of emerald green, unlike any other loch I've ever seen in Scotland. In my head, I'm thrown back to views of volcanic springs in Iceland, lakes that are coloured distinctly by the minerals below the soil. The tree-lined edges of the loch remind me of lakes in the Canadian Rockies. I almost have to pinch myself to remember that I'm still in Scotland. And Loch in Uainia has that effect on you. I find a flat rock at the edge of the loch and sit down to eat my lunch. The sun radiates down into the water. But before I get too comfy or sleepy, I push on. The trail continues further up the glen. I reach Rivo and Bothy, which offers shelter to tired hikers and bikers, or simply a space to escape the rain or midges for a while. But neither are bothering me today. From here, I pick up another narrow footpath that slowly climbs the side of a hill. Meandering steadily upwards, I stop frequently to catch my breath and admire the views. I spot another hiker descending the trail ahead of me, and slowly our positions converge until I meet him amidst the vast expanse of heather beneath my feet. It turns out that he's one of the new staff members at the youth hostel, making the most of his lunch break by climbing this hill. He wishes me well, and I feel reassured that he now knows to expect me back at the hostel in a few hours. If I felt strong this morning... I'm now right out confident in my decisions. And confidence is a fantastic feeling to experience as a solo traveller. I reach the summit, and from there I see the expanse of the Cairngorms Plateau, the sparkling waters of Loch Morlich, and dark clouds rolling in towards me. It's not long until they catch up with me, and wrapped in my waterproof jacket, I descend back down to the hostel through the rain. I meet the staff member again, who had met on the hill, as he checks me in and shows me to my room. The kitchen is busy with the clatter of dishes and the laughter of fellow guests, sharing stories about the day's adventures. There are people on their phones in the lounge, calling their loved ones, and guests sharing a dram in the common area. Tired from my hike, I retreat to my room. 
and reflect on the very different challenges I've encountered on this solo trip so far. I rise early the next day and watch the mist roll over the loch and the hills that frame it. Soon, I'm all packed and make my way down to the bus stop where I once again meet my fellow solo traveller from South Africa. We both get off in Abbeymore, walk to the train station together and get on in opposite directions, each heading to our next adventure. I reach Inverness, the capital of the Highlands, and start walking to my hostel to drop off my bag. But as I cross the road near the station, I change my mind, head back and get into one of the taxis waiting there. My body feels tired from the last few days on this solo trip, and even though the hostel isn't far, I decide to treat myself and preserve energy for the important bits. By now, check-in is a familiar procedure. Say my name, show my ID, chit-chat with the reception staff about what I'm planning to do while I'm in town. My room isn't ready yet, but I can leave my bag in a locked luggage room and get on my way. I wander through the city centre of Inverness, through the arcades of the Victorian market, past the historic walls of Abertarf House and the Inverness townhouse, up towards the castle and down to the banks of the River Ness. The sky is grey, might even rain, but I can feel my body longing for more time in nature. So I continue to follow the path up the river and watch the castle and the cathedral grow smaller behind me. A small burn joins the river and I spot a grey heron stalking for prey, towering statuesque in the rushing current of water. I watch it for a while, slowly taking one step at a time, until it notices me and lifts off into the air. I cross a white suspension bridge, leading onto the Ness Islands. The path meanders across them, offering benches with tranquil views in the middle of the city. This is what my heart desires. Step by step, my confidence has turned into a feeling of empowerment. I get to call the shots, and there are no wrong decisions, if only I listen to what I really want. That's the magic of solo travel, isn't it? You don't have to consider other people's preferences, what they'd like to see and experience. It's all about you. And to be honest, that feels pretty great. The next day, I pack my bags once again and find my way to the train station. It's a few hours until my return journey home and I've spent the evening researching places to visit and buses to take me there. The options are endless. That's one of the things I like about Inverness. I could go to the museum, visit Culloden or take a trip down to Loch Ness. But somehow I feel like being immersed in nature again. And so I board a bus to the Black Isle, a peninsula just north of Inverness. I get off in Rosemarkey, a small village on the coast of the Moray Far. The RSPB has a nature reserve here, covering a steep-sided glen in a broadleaf woodland. It's called the Fairy Glen because according to local stories, children would put flowers in the river to please the fairies and ask them to keep the water clean. 
Today is a great place to spot birds, like buzzards, herons and dippers. The woodland floor is covered in bluebells, and all I can hear is the water rushing by as I make my way up the glen. At the top, there are two waterfalls, forming shallow pools. I spot a grey wagtail wading through the water, pecking at insects. On my way back, I sit by the beach. I still have time until my train back to Glasgow, but somehow I feel full, content with the experiences and memories from three days on the road. I jump on the next bus to Inverness, pick up food from the market and wait at the station. I board my train a wee while later, and as it pulls away from the platform, I look at the pictures I took on my phone. The feelings of doubt and fear that I encountered in Edinburgh feel like a million miles away. Travelling solo doesn't necessarily mean that you'll feel alone. In fact, even if it sounds corny, it's an opportunity to get to know yourself. Tune in to who you are, what you want and what you need and appreciate your own company. That's it, that magical feeling of solo travel. I hope you enjoyed this trip to Edinburgh, the Cairngorms, Inverness and the Black Isle, and my reflections on how solo travel makes me feel. So often, solo travellers only share the highlights of their trips. And I can see why. It's so inspiring to see someone else thrive on their own, immersed in another culture or an experience. But it's just as important that we talk about the challenging moments and be open about those. These things happen to all of us, and it's normal to feel down from time to time when you're travelling on your own. I've had the pleasure to plan a lot of solo trips in Scotland, not just for myself, but also for solo travelling clients who hired me to help with their itineraries. With that in mind, it's time for the practical part of the show. Here are five travel tips to get the most out of your solo trip in Scotland. Tip number one, stay in hostels. Hostels are such an ingenious place to stay for solo travellers. They're budget-friendly and usually come with a lot of useful facilities, like a self-catering kitchen, washing machines, common rooms to socialise, but also areas to retreat and find calm. Hostelling Scotland has over 60 youth and affiliate hostels all over Scotland. Whether you're looking for a city trip, an active getaway in the mountains or an island adventure. I've stayed in many of them over the years and have often recommended them to my clients too. If dorms aren't your thing, many of them also have private rooms, some even with ensuite bathrooms. Despite the name Youth Hostel, they are really suitable for any kind of traveller, no matter your age. They're family-friendly and, of course, great for solo travellers. Tip number two. Take public transport. Renting a car on your own can be expensive, and when you're the only one footing the petrol bill, 
the costs quickly add up. Not to mention, the driving on your own is an inefficient way to travel, and not particularly eco-friendly. Luckily, Scotland has a great network of public transport, and with some smart planning and good timekeeping, you can go almost anywhere in Scotland. On my trip in the story, I used a train to travel from Glasgow to Edinburgh to Aviemore and on to Inverness, and local buses to get to the hostel in Glenmore and the Black Isle Peninsula. I have a detailed guide to public transport travel with lots of tips on my Scotland travel blog, Watch Me See. You'll find the link in the show notes. Tip number three, allow time for down days. One of the biggest mistakes to make when you travel on your own is to make a plan for every single day. It's important to allow yourself time for down days where you do nothing, unless you feel like it. I actually spent two days in the Cairngorms on this trip because I wanted to have the option to rest and take it easy. I did end up taking the bus to Abbeymore and doing a big cycling tour instead, but the key thing was that I added a day to my trip where I didn't have to move unless I wanted to. Tip number four, be flexible. Things don't always work out as planned. As a solo traveller, you often have to think on your feet, whether you misread the bus timetable or didn't realise you had to book some castle tickets in advance. Without someone else to pick up the slack, you're dependent on your own problem-solving skills. Sometimes that means making a slight adjustment to your plan. Other times, you may have to come up with a new plan on the spot. Either way, accepting the things you can't change and staying flexible are two important lessons to learn on any solo trip. Tip number five, create moments for yourself. If the thought of being on your own all the time makes you uncomfortable, it's easy to create opportunities to meet other travellers. You can book a guided group tour, join a day trip, or an activity that is open to other travellers. However, I also encourage you to create moments where you get to spend quality time by yourself. It could be a solo hike in the mountains, a swim in a loch, cooking an elaborate meal at the hostel, or even a spa treatment. Give yourself the opportunity to make a lasting memory just by yourself, and I promise you'll want to experience more like it in the future. And with this, I send you off to plan your own solo trip to Scotland. In the full show notes on our website, you'll find a recap of my top tips and an outline of my itinerary from this trip. If you're subscribed to our newsletter, you'll soon find an email with additional resources you may find useful as a solo traveller in Scotland. And by the end of the month, Patreon subscribers will get to hear a bonus episode with a story about my cycling trip from Aviemore. You can sign up for a Patreon via the link in the show notes. It's a great way to support our podcast and also get some extra audio from Scotland. We're now taking a final break before the launch of our new season in September. We've got 10 new episodes coming your way with immersive stories, interesting facts and inspiring conversations. I'm not going to give away our overarching theme of the season just yet, but I can tell you that you may want to pack a swimsuit, wellies and binoculars. Make sure you subscribe to our newsletter for exclusive sneak peeks and subscribe to the show in your podcast app so you don't miss the trailer when it drops. I hope you'll join us on our next journey together. Thank you so much for listening to Wild for Scotland. If you enjoyed this story, take a screenshot of your podcast app right now 
share it to your social media and tag us so we can see it too. Wild for Scotland is part of the Tremula Network, adventure and outdoor podcasts off the beaten path. The show is written and hosted by me, Cathy Kamleitner. Thanks to Fran Turowski, who's the co-producer and editor, and does the sound design. Michelle Payne and Aneso Matanda Mambingo are supporting us with social media. Podcast art is by Lizzie Vaughan Knight, and all original music is composed by Bruce Wallace. Until next time, when we travel to a different place in Scotland. If you're still here, listening all the way to the very end, it means you've probably got your hands full. So let me take this opportunity to remind you that I don't just write immersive travel stories. I also plan unforgettable itineraries for Scotland. And it's never been easier to follow one of my routes. Head to watchmesee.com forward slash shop to browse my ready-made Scotland itineraries and turn your travel dreams into reality.